Welcome to Casting About, an audio podcast produced by the Lincoln City Libraries in Lincoln, Nebraska. Casting About features book reviews, news, and commentaries from staff members throughout our library system. I'm Becky from the Walt Branch Library, and I'll be your host for this episode. Joining me today are Scott from the Bennett Martin Library and Lisa from the Isley Branch Library. Hello. How are you? Just fine. We are um, just... Er recently in the season for Halloween, where we know that lots of little girls like to dress up as princesses. That is correct. Lisa is going to talk about actual princesses in fiction. I am. That That is exactly where I'm going. I am a big fan of, I will not be dressing up as a princess, but I may be reading about some princesses <laughs> on Halloween. Uh, I just finished a really great a book and installment in Allison Weir's series, on Henry VIII's Six Wives. And she's very well known to readers of historical fiction and of historical nonfiction for her portrayals of royal women throughout time. And she really focuses a lot on the British royal history, and in particular the Tudors. She really knows so much about them. And that is my favorite period of, of world history. I love to read about it. And, and as soon as I think to myself, no, I'm not going to read another Tudor history, Bam, there comes one that really, that sucks me right back in. So her newest one is on uh, wife number four of Henry VIII. Mm. Some people consider her the most successful wife because she lived um, Anne of Cleves. And if you don't know anything about Anne of Cleves, she it was a political alliance, a marriage of political convenience that Henry needed to stabilize his newly Protestant-leaning rule after le- leaving uh, the church of, uh, the you know, the... Church of Rome behind and establishing himself as the head of the English church, he needed allies because a lot of his Catholic allies had forsaken him. So he made this alliance with a a principality, a small kingdom in what we now know as Germany. Um, They pronounce it as Cleva, but we call it Cleves. And she's known to us as Anne of Cleves, but to her own people, she was Princess Anna of Cleva. And he didn't see her in person. This was a, a like an arranged oh marriage. This was like a, he swiped uh, left. Or no, is it right? <laughs> that Yes, he swiped right uh, after seeing her picture. And he, he was brought to him by his diplomatic, uh, uh, the people he sent over, the deputation he sent over, to meet her, to, to check her out, if, as it were, in, in Kleva. And they commissioned a portrait of her, brought it back. And yes, he swiped right and said, I, I'd go out with her, sure. Uh, set this, me up. What is this, Tudor Tinder? Tudor so. Tinder, that's right. That's exactly right. So they had never met in person, but uh, they became engaged. So uh, she shows up, he takes a look at her, and uh, was he had buyer's remorse, shall we oh. say. Oh. <laughs> he wanted to undo that, the whole thing, and but he was stuck. Um, he was he could not anger her her relatives and mm-hmm. he needed that alliance so the wedding went ahead and on their wedding night let's just say they stayed good friends it stayed in the friend zone <laughs> and they never fully became man and wife and he he blamed that on uh, everything from her appearance to kind of maybe she wasn't so fresh in the in the maybe she needed to use some right guard. We don't really know, mm. but uh, in in reality, a lot of people believe it's just because he was old and and not healthy and things just weren't going well, and he blamed it on her. So 
I had to read this because she's my favorite <laughs> one of the wives. And she was considered a princess. Um, eventually, he, he gave her the status of the king's beloved sister. And he did have the marriage annulled. Um, he They came up with some you know, rigmarole. And the, she was engaged to another prince when she was a kid. And, and that was, in, oh, yeah, okay. it's, you know, it's royals. What do you expect? But um, he, that came to, he used that as an excuse to end the marriage and moved on to wife number five, Catherine Howard, not so lucky as Anna Cleves, as Anna, who, who actually stayed in England and was very well taken care of while Henry lived and uh, did play a part in somewhat in the history of the realm after she, she her not so auspicious uh, time as a part-time queen and, or temporary queen. So there's that's my first uh, princess book. Okay. So my other two are they function as kind of uh, one is a young adult, definitely for young adults and younger. The other one could be for older young adults, but has a much more adult slant. One is called Bad Princess: True Tales from Behind the Tiara by Chris Walder, and the other one is Rejected Princesses: <laughs> Tales of History's Boldest Heroines, Hellions, and Heretics by Jason Porath. And these are fun to read because when we talk about, you know, princess, you think of fluffy pink dress and a veil and, a, and glitter. And these are not those kinds of princesses. <laughs> these are, are, are women who were, yes, he, I mean, he's, he is very correct. Many of them were hellraisers. Many of them were troublemakers. They may have been expected to behave in a genteel and well-bred way, but uh, they didn't always go that way. So, for instance, in Rejected Princesses, we get to see um, Artemisia Gentileschi, who was an artist in of the Renaissance, a, a woman artist of the Renaissance, who, um, of, of all the things that she could have painted, she chose to paint um, a, a portrait of Judith from the Old Testament, um, who, having just severed the head of Holofernes, her her uh, enemy. So this is what she chose to paint. Not a real princess <laughs> kind of thing. Keeping it real. Keeping it real. <laughs> and uh, we have someone like Grace O'Malley um, of Ireland, who was the pirate princess, mm, the pirate yeah, queen yeah. of Ireland. Um, people like that. We have, uh, and he, he goes all over... Um, Jason Porath and his Rejected Princesses, he draws from, from all different cultures to bring these women to light. And it, um, he has a few that I you would not want to uh, be around in their world court, like Elizabeth Bathory, the, oh, yeah. uh, yes, yep. the famous Hungarian uh, multiple, uh, mass murderess. Bathed in blood, yes. <laughs> Supposedly, she bathed in the blood of her victims and then until she started running out of victims. They became scarcer and scarcer. And in the young adult um, bad princess, you read a lot. Of, there's some of these same characters, some of these same figures, but he also includes people like the dollar princesses who were uh, American heiresses uh -huh. who went over to uh, Europe to, to bag a royal spouse because they couldn't make it socially here in the United States. They weren't, you know, they weren't... Uh, upper crust enough to marry into American society. So they just went abroad and got a title with their money. So mm -hmm. if you, you know, you may be dressing up as a princess this Halloween or know someone who is, but if, if that's not uh, what you're doing, maybe you want to study up on the princess culture. Before you repeat your titles, I wanted to ask you, have you heard of the musical Six? 
I'm guessing this is a, a musical of Henry's wife. All right. Imagine uh, what a success Lin-Manuel Miranda has had with Hamilton, bring, yes, bringing a historical uh, story into the modern musical era with hip-hop and things like that. There is a musical that began in England called Six, which is about the wives of Henry, uh, which uh, has turned into a smash success there and is um, opening on Broadway now, and basically is the story of the six wives told in hip-hop and rap and, and modern-era music with, uh, my understanding is, more um, elaborate costumes that are reminiscent of what they actually would have looked like, but with a little bit more Why modern Why couldn't they have flair. done disco or glam rock? Why do we always have to do hip I, I haven't heard the entire soundtrack. It is apparently going to come out as a soundtrack, um, but it, it was one of those sort of homebrewed shows that they leaked a few things on the internet to see how people would like it, yeah. and they were huge successes there, so they pushed forward with it as an actual show. And apparently is relatively short, however. It's only like an hour and 20 minutes long, and so they're looking at possibly trying to expand it a little bit into a full-length show. Shows. Most of his marriages were pretty short. Yeah, well, that's appropriate then. So, so could you tell us again the authors and titles of what you were recommending? Yes, yeah, so the first one I was talking about is Anna of Cleves by Alison Weir, um, and then Bad Princess by Chris Walder, and Rejected Princesses by Jason Porath. Excellent. Thank you, Lisa. Uh, we've been talking about numbers, and I think Scott has something relating to numbers to talk about. Well, kind of, and it also <laughs> segues uh, from British history as well. That's true. The number one best-selling mystery novel of all time is Agatha Christie's And Then There Were None. Uh, in our Just Desserts mystery book group um, for September of 2019, we were all supposed to select a standalone mystery, a mystery that didn't have any continuing characters from another show or from another series um, that really stood out for us. And this is the one I selected for that. And subsequent to rereading And Then There Were None, I've also um, watched the three-hour uh, PBS um, BBC adaptation of it um, for television, which had an all-star cast as well. Uh, I won't go into great detail about it because that is to spoil the plot. The, the nutshell version of And Then There Were None is you don't have a Miss Marple, you don't have a Hercule Poirot. Uh, it's basically ten complete strangers, um, for the most part complete strangers that don't seem to have any connections to each other, all except mysterious uh, invitations to come to a remote island uh, estate off the coast of Devon in England. Um, when they all get to this island, they discover that there's no way off of the island except for the guy with the boat that has already dropped them off and left. There's no telephone communication. This is set in 1939, is when the novel originally came out, um, just before the beginning of World War II, and the tensions are high amongst the characters at that point. The ten characters that are there, as I said, don't seem to have any connection to each other, but they're going to make do the best they can. There's two caretakers of the home, there's a new secretary that was just hired, and then seven other people from various different walks of life, and they begin a meal, and shortly after the meal has begun, a recording begins to play that accuses all ten of the people that are on the island of having committed a murder that they got away with and justice has not been served. Um, immediately, tensions are ratcheted up. Tensions continue to um, be um, percolating fairly high when one of them dies under mysterious circumstances. When a second one dies um, after sleeping, oversleeping, overnight and not waking up, uh, they think that that's a little unusual. It's not until the third death 
of 10 people, which is brutal in its nature, that they realize that they've all been summoned here to face justice for the crimes that they've committed, um, and that most likely the killer is one of the remaining people. So it is a psychological suspense novel that is just uh, chilling. It's probably the darkest novel that Agatha Christie ever wrote. And like I said, it is the number one best-selling mystery novel of all time with over 100 million copies. It's been translated into more foreign languages um, than any other Christie novel, or frankly, it's one of the most translated novels in history. In fact, Christie has been um, described as being the third biggest selling author in the English language. The only two things that um, sell more than her are the Holy Bible and William Shakespeare. Uh, wow. So she is just stunning. The um, video adaptation uh, that was done, it's been uh, adapted into films several times over the years under multiple different names. I believe Fabian was in one of the movies. Could be. If you're that you know, you like be, your surfer dudes the, from the 60s. The novel was originally <laughs> released under a, a title, which I won't um, say out loud here, but suffice it to say it was uh, somewhat culturally inappropriate. It then was released under a title, Ten Little Indians, which it went by for many years, and then most American editions go by the name, and then there were none. The, the Ten Little part of it involves ten little statuettes um, that are part of the plot as each individual gets killed off in the plot of this book. One of the statuettes mysteriously disappears from a, a setting on the dining room table. The video adaptation, um, which went by the title and then there were none, uh, came out in 2015 and featured a fairly uh, um, impressive cast of British um, television and feature film actors. Charles Dance plays Judge Wargrave. Um, he, I know him best myself from uh, the adaptation of Rebecca um, by Daphne du Maurier, um, which was superb. Um, Aidan Turner, who has been the most recent Poldark in TV adaptations, uh, plays Philip Lombard. Toby Stevens was Dr. Armstrong. Bern Gorman was Detective Bloor. Miranda Richardson, Emily Brent, and then a number of people. That Sam was... Neill. Sam Neill as, as the General MacArthur. Uh, all in all, it was a very well-filmed production in terms of its visual appeal, and the performances were all excellent. However, uh, as a recommender, a reviewer of things, I will strongly recommend that you uh, do uh, the book or the audiobook, which is also excellent. Um, the video, while a very good production, took a lot of liberties with plot points and motivations and things like that. And in the end, uh, I was slightly dissatisfied with it. It's a good production. If you've not ever read it or seen it before, it's worth sampling that one just as your first introduction. But the book is literally one of the best things written uh, for mystery fans. So I strongly recommend that. So that would be Agatha Christie, and Then There Were None, uh, both in print and as a DVD production for television. Thank you, Scott. And yes, I, I would emphasize that in the special features on the DVD, they do emphasize this is an adaptation. But yes, the performances were all very good, and it, you did really get the creeped out sensation of what is happening. All right. Well, I believe that's it for this session. Thank you for joining in on this episode of Casting About. Please remember that you can subscribe to receive Casting About in your RSS feed, and you can leave comments about this or any other library podcast by visiting lincolnlibraries.org slash category slash podcasts. The next time you're Casting About for a good book, CD, DVD, or download, visit your local library in person and online. Mm -hmm.